Sharon. There was a lot in there, wasn't there? Yes. Sharon's going to start emailing me before she signs up. How long is the scripture? <clears throat> we are continuing our study of the book of James. Uh, we spent some time in chapter 1 last week. I know that some of you have began reading James. Uh, I had a couple people send me pictures of their readings and things that stood out to them. And I love that. I love when you let me know how you're engaging in uh, whatever scripture we're studying. I hope that you're finding it to be a meaningful read. James packs a lot into uh, to his, his words for us. And so we're going to unpack a little bit of what Sharon read to us today. James continues in his plainly spoken teaching as we enter into chapter 2. Beginning in verse 14 of James, we begin really to be called on the carpet about practicing what we preach, living into what we claim is our faith. And we talk about this here a lot. We talk about living out our faith. James says, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? To have faith and no works means that you have nothing to show for your faith life. It would be like a farmer with no harvest or a doctor with no patients. James says that it is not simply enough to say that we believe. He says plainly it is not enough to just believe faith without works is dead. The works of our lives is proof of our faith. When we are called to love each other in extraordinary ways, and we actually do love each other in extraordinary ways, that shows our faith. Our love for others proves that we know that we have been shown extraordinary love from God. And it is through God's grace and God's power and through God's favor that we're able to show love to others, especially those we find it hard to love. Sometimes we as Christians do a strange thing. We read and we study. We attend Sunday school, Sunday worship. But we often fall short of putting all that we have learned into practice. Pastor and teacher Francis Chan tells a humorous but very telling story about how we struggle to live out our faith in tangible ways in our lives. Francis says, sometimes in the church, we act as if following Jesus is different than following. If you play, follow the leader, but you do not follow, are you really playing? So in that logic, if you don't do what the leader does, you're not really a follower. You're not really playing the game. Even if you say, I'm following you in my heart. See, to follow Jesus, you would need to do what Jesus does. You would need to care like Jesus, love like Jesus, forgive like Jesus, pray like Jesus, study like Jesus, try to be like Jesus. But sometimes we don't follow with our actions. We may follow with our minds, may follow with our hearts, but we don't always follow through with our actions. That is why God, in knowing us so well, calls us to follow with everything we have, mind, spirit, and body, everything. 
Francis says the way we follow Jesus is often based on our thoughts, maybe our hearts, but not so much our deeds. And this would not fly in any other area of our lives. And so this is the example that that pastor and teacher Francis Chan gives. If a parent says to a child, go clean your room, the child knows that cleaning your room takes action. To clean your room, you have to go and do something. It's not enough to come back to your parent and say, hey, uh, dad, I know you told me to go clean my room with your words. You said, go clean your room. That was your word to me, so, so I've memorized what you said. When you said, go clean your room, I can repeat exactly as you said. Or what if the child says, mom, you're going to be so impressed. Not only did I study your word, I learned to say, go clean your room in Greek. Isn't that amazing? I have studied your word in the original language. Or, or maybe, Dad, my friends and I, we're going to get together on Tuesday nights for a small group, and we're going to study what you mean when you say, go clean your room. We're going to study your word. We're going to get together. We're going to talk about it. As a parent, you would say, are you kidding? Go clean your room. Now, before you send me emails, <laughs> saying, well, pastor said we shouldn't study God's word. Pastor says we shouldn't get together in small groups and we shouldn't study the original language or the original context. You're dodging the point. I want you to study God's word. I would love for you to learn the original language. Study the context. Get in there. We talk about that. Before I catch flack about saying that gathering for Bible study is not important, Hear my words. You're missing it. Now, if I tell my five-year-old, or if I had told Dominic a long time ago when he was five, go clean your room, what I'm going to see is a five-year-old's idea of what it means to clean his room, which is probably put two things on a shelf and find some toy that I've forgotten that I love, and I have to play with it right now. So I'm not going to see marginal results of my five-year-old cleaning his room. When I tell my 10-year-old child to go and clean his room, I'm going to see the result of a 10-year-old's cleaning of their room. The bed is going to be beautifully made to camouflage everything that's been stuffed under it. The closet door will be closed. Take caution when you open it because you're about to be, uh, a, there's a, a, a wall of stuff coming for you. It's going to look different than when a five-year-old cleans their room, hopefully better, questionable. And by the number of cleaning videos on TikTok, which I'm still angry that I watch, but I, I can't seem to stop, by the number of cleaning videos on TikTok, we're still studying how to clean. It's like our, our cleaning small group on TikTok, me and 8,000 other people have just had this life hack that's going to change my life forever. So we're still, we are still talking about best practices and cleaning and how to be more effective. So if you look at these examples, when I ask a five-year-old to clean his room, he goes and he does something. When, when I ask a 10-year-old, 
he goes and he does a better job than the five-year-old. When I ask my 20-year-old to go and clean his room, he leaves the house. Maybe he does it in his heart. I don't know. The important lesson here is that your child was instructed to go and do something. Clean your room. Don't study my word. Don't gather with your friends to try to interpret what I meant when I said go clean your room. Go and do something. Go clean your room. And, and as you progress through life, as you learn and mature, everything that you do improves. A five-year-old's cleaning doesn't look like a 10-year-old's or a 20-year-old's or a 35-year-old who's learned on TikTok how to do the thing. Growth has occurred. But that doesn't mean that you don't ask the five and the 10 and the 15 and the 20-year-old to go clean their room. That's my son, by the way. I don't pick out random people in church to point at. Go and do something. Just because you may not do it as well as you could do it, you'll learn along the way. You'll fail along the way. But you're doing something. That's how we learn, by doing and trying and failing and trying and learning and trying again. There is a time for study and preparation. It is vital. But while we're studying and preparing, we have been instructed to go and do. Sometimes we wait. We have, you know, paralysis by analysis. Sometimes we judge our own ability. Well, as soon as I can, then I will. Jesus didn't say to the disciples, as soon as you have it all together, as soon as you know all that I know, then go and make disciples. He said, no, go and make disciples. And know that you'll learn along the way because I will be with you always to the end of age. And I'll send the Holy Spirit to give you what you need, but go and do something in the meantime. If we are following Jesus, if we profess to follow Jesus, are we following Jesus on Monday, on Wednesday, on Friday night? Are we moving beyond studying and learning to begin doing what Jesus says? Are we doing what Jesus did with the heart of Jesus because God called us with everything we have, everything we have? How fruitful is our faith? Are we like farmers without a harvest? Doctors without a patient? Because if you're a farmer with no harvest, can you really profess to be a farmer? If you're a doctor with no patient, can you really call yourself a doctor? If you're a person of faith and your life does not show that faith, if your works do not embody your faith, can you call yourself a follower? The proof's in the pudding. In James, the writer reminds us of the faith of Abraham and how it was tested through God's call to offer Isaac. Through Abraham's actions, his faith was professed. Through the work of doing the most difficult of things. Abraham proved himself a faithful follower of God. 
James says in verse 24, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. We can be faithful, faith-filled people, but without proof of our faith, there's no life in our faith. God is calling us to action. God is calling our faith to life. Even the world is calling us to action. I've had people say, Pastor, I'm done with thoughts and prayers. I need help. The scripture says, if you say to your poor and hungry friend, go and be warm and fed, but you don't step in to help feed and clothe them, are you really hoping and praying and thinking for their well-being if there's no action? Our thoughts and prayers are needed. They need to grow hands and feet. There's one more thing I want you to note from this passage in James. I found it a bit strange, the inclusion of Abraham and Rahab in this story. In verse 21, James speaks of the faith of Abraham. Abraham, the father of all Christianity, your children will outnumber the stars in the sky. We're all called children of Abraham. Abraham's faith was tested in the worst way possible. He was called to offer his own son as a sacrifice. God did not intend to receive Isaac as a sacrifice. The story symbolizes how God offers a sacrifice for us, that God would offer his own son. But in this scripture, James holds up the faith of Abraham and the faith of the prostitute Rahab. Rahab knew almost nothing about God. She had not studied him as Abraham had. She had not been to Tuesday night small group. She had not gone through confirmation. She had not done the things for many reasons. Yet she knew of God and God's power And when given the opportunity to do something, to show faith in God, to hide God's messengers from harm, she was moved by her faith in what she knew of God. And she did something. And now we read of the father of all Christianity, whose faith-filled life we all stand on, linked with the prostitute, who had just enough knowledge and faith to do something. Their names are linked together in this scripture for all time to show us that everyone can do something when they are called by God. It doesn't matter if your faith life reflects how a five-year-old cleans their room or a 10-year-old or a seasoned veteran. It doesn't matter if your faith life reflects the deep understanding and faith-filled belief of Abraham or the shallow understanding of Rahab the prostitute. All that matters is that we are learning and trying and doing. We're moving. And we'll do it to the best of our ability in that moment, and then we'll continue to learn, and we'll do it a little bit better next time, and a little bit better next time. But as James puts it, faith alone is not enough unless it produces action, Unless it produces good deeds, 
our faith is dead and useless. He is not, he's not wasting any words on us. Your faith is dead. So here's, here's the thing. First of all, I love, love that Rahab is named in the lineage of Christ. How often would you look at a prostitute and say, do you know who's coming in her bloodline? Jesus. How often would she think, look at herself and think, nothing good will come of my life but God. God will make good come of all things, of all people. Don't underestimate yourself. Please don't underestimate another. Because if someone had looked at Rahab, would they have thought that the mighty God was moving in her and that Jesus the Messiah would come in generations? Friends, put hands and feet to your beliefs. Put actions to your words. Give your faith its own life and see what God will do. Amen? Amen. I'd like to invite the band back up.